At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning. Right on, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. With your hosts, David Hawn. Are they setting people up for this unrealistic expectation that 2023, they're suddenly going to use that $100 million in cap space and all of this draft capital they have? Voila! playoff contender and Dan Weeder and you think suddenly that there are going to be 40 new players that are all difference makers I just don't know what fantasy land that is we're going to take the north and never give it back welcome to the take the north podcast on your free odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts I am David Haw from 670 the score the Mully and Haw show Dan Weeder is from the Chicago Tribune out at Hallis Hall we are talking Bears and Eagles before the return to the lakefront on Sunday at Soldier Field, a matchup between the NFC's best team and the NFC's <laughs> worst team. And, Dan, what has struck me this week is not so much what's going on at Hallis Hall, but it seems as if the Eagles have spent most of their time not talking about the Bears, not being asked about how they're going to block Jack Sanborn or stop Justin <laughs> Fields, but Micah Parsons lit a match and talked about Jalen Hurts and who was more responsible as the assistant quarterback. The Eagles – could the Bears be finding and playing against an Eagles team that could be overlooking them or taking them lightly, or is that wishful thinking? Uh, no, it's not wishful thinking. It is possible that happens in this league from time to time, particularly for a team that came off such a resounding win against the Giants last week. Sometimes you just kind of catch that uh, exhale, right? And you feel like you're moving in the right direction. And, and sometimes you don't come with your uh, A game all the time. And that's got to be the Bears' hope because I think this is a mismatch on paper. Uh, it's a mismatch in, in, in the eyes of anyone that has looked at it objectively. And the Bears have to figure out ways to keep up and compete and, and, and stay uh, on a track where, where they they can stay in football games and, 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 and look three and uh, what are we three and 10 versus 12 and one. Uh, it, it gives you an opportunity to see what that gap is. You mentioned best team in the NFC versus worst team in the NFC. Well, how much space is between those two teams? Sunday will be a, a pretty good illumination of that. 
Want to remind everybody, you could also watch us as well as listen to us on the Odyssey's YouTube page. We are going to video, we're going to audio, we're everywhere. And uh, that's good. And, and give us some feedback as well. If you can, download, listen, and subscribe. Dan, before we get into our opening drive, I just wonder, you know, when you look at this final four-game stretch for the Bears, I wonder if the rhetoric this week leading up to it has reflected a team or an organization viewing this as let's get the most out of this season or viewing this as let's use this as a launching pad to 2023, whatever that may be. How are they viewing this final four-game mini preseason to next year, uh, next year's regular season? Listen, I think Alan Williams, the defensive coordinator on Thursday afternoon, had had some of the best, uh, I guess, rhetoric, if you will, on this topic and in, in, in just saying you have to stay present. As a coach, as a player, as anyone who's part of this football building, you have to stay present. You cannot fast forward your lens to 2023. And I think what William said was was telling the fact that he said, look, you, even though you're 3-10 and 10 and you're eliminated from playoff contention, you have to learn to prepare in December. You have to learn to work in December. You have to learn to coach in December. And he said it's about building DNA, right? And so that, that's what this team is doing right now is establishing DNA that will help them in 2023 and beyond. But it has to be done now through habits. You're building habits. You're doing these things that that have to become a part of your routine, whether you are playing for something or you're playing for nothing. And so that is what what winning teams do and winning cultures are built on and are built on. And, and, and we'll see how successful the Bears are in, in approaching this finishing stretch. All right. Let's stay in the present by getting into our opening drive. The, the, the opening drive. Well, Wednesday was a surprise because Justin Fields missed practice. There's going to be some questions about his availability and if he's available, how healthy is he? How much did the illness weaken Justin Fields? I know that this is a fluid situation. We're going to have to ask our audience for patience because this will be something that could be ongoing and monitoring hour by hour. And we're not going to be able to do that in this podcast because we only have a certain number of time. But Dan, as far as you can tell the latest and the, the biggest uh how would you describe what's going yeah. on Justin Fields? well barring setback justin should be in line to play on sunday afternoon he's progressing he dealt with the illness earlier in the week it was something that that caused him to miss practice on wednesday it did not cause him to to miss meetings according to matt eberflus on wednesday and so justin was able to return to the practice field on thursday afternoon which is a good sign and, and barring a setback you know he should be able to practice again on friday and then go into the weekend with the the ex expectation of of playing and being at full strength when he plays and this is a, a, a big deal obviously just because it gives you an opportunity uh, to continue to foster Justin's development and his growth and I think Matt Eberflus early in the week was very positive about what he saw coming out of the Packers game yes it ended with two fields interceptions late in that game but it was also Justin's most productive passing game in terms of total yardage and also a game in which he showed as we've discussed better pocket presence better pro- pocket vision better pocket poise and so you just want to continue to see that come along. Now, David, we'll get into this in our prediction segment, but this is not an easy test for a quarterback to take against a defense here that leads the NFL in sacks and also leads the NFL in takeaways. And so in my opinion, this is awesome, right? For a young quarterback to go take this test and figure out uh, where he measures up and then adjust from there. On various talk shows and various bar rooms and living rooms everywhere, as we discuss Bears versus Eagles this week, I think a lot of people have looked at Jalen Hurts and we have uh, said uh, a lot that there are 
parallel tracks that the Eagles are on and you hope the Bears can be on as well. The comparisons between the quarterbacks, inevitable, really. When you look at it, Dan, from you know, from your trained eye and your experience, I think that when you when you see Jalen Hurts and what he was able to do and what they were able to do around him to make sure that he had this breakthrough third season. Is there anything to be taken away? And do you find yourself wondering, okay, if, if this team or this this game changed quarterbacks, would it be a much different outcome or result just because of uh, their similarities in sort of styles, but also you know, what's around Jalen Hurts has as much to do with the success as he does. Well, what's around him is certainly part of this equation, but I also think he's further along in his development. And that, that is something that, that should be encouraging to Bears fans that when Justin gains the experience, when he gets more talent around him, when he continues to, to show growth, right? He's just further along, uh, Jalen Hurts is, in, in his growth process right now. And it's allowed him to have success this year. And it's allowed the Eagles to really cement who they are identity-wise. Look, you've got a dual-threat quarterback, and, and, and Hurts is third in the league right now in terms of rushing yards by quarterbacks. Justin is number one. Lamar Jackson is number two. But they've been able to find balance. They have one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL based on Hertz's running, based on what Miles Sanders can do, and then they supplement it with a passing attack that is pretty reliable. I think they're they're, they're top 10 in passing yards per play, uh, and obviously a, a rushing offense that I think is top five still to this point. And so you've got balance that the Bears don't have. All season long, the Bears have had uh, the number one rushing attack in the league and the 32nd ranked passing offense in the league. And you need to squeeze that a little bit closer together so that, that you're not playing such a one-dimensional brand of football. I think that's the goal here. I think they're moving in the right direction in that regard but now you have to continue that evolution continue that progress continue that development and what Hertz has done is, is truly impressive David because when you look at his passing numbers I think he's still leading the, the the league in rating and he has 32 touchdowns that's passing and rushing compared with just three interceptions and when you're able to do that when you're able to make that many plays while also reducing the mistakes that that change games all of a sudden you've got the formula to be a team that can play into February and so that's what they are right now it's that number that I think I don't want to say gives me the greatest pause, but it's that number and the the touchdown to interception ratio that I think implies represents the greatest growth in Jalen Hurts. And also maybe potentially not to be you know pessimistic or cynical, but I think represents right now the biggest difference in the two quarterbacks. Obviously, there's a year of, of uh, maturity that Jalen Hurts has on Justin Fields, but you do not see him making the kind of errors in judgment that you do number one that you saw from him last year or maybe the sure. year year and a half as a player and a starter for the Eagles but I think as you see Justin Justin Fields it took him a while this season before he could what I referred to commonly before he could do simple better he was not taking the gimmies and, and successfully being able to put the ball where he wanted to and then the judgment sometimes would be uh, would suffer as a result so I think what Jalen Hurts has done is he has removed those doubts and maybe it's a product of just being more confident and having more options when things everything good does go right but you can see it's more than just having weapons around him it's him taking that next step mentally and being able to either read and react accordingly or better than he did before process that information quickly but he's making the smart decision and he's not making the wrong or bad 
bad decision, and that's keeping the Eagles' offense out of harm's way. And you used a key adverb there. It's quickly, right? It's being able to process those things in a way that, that, that you know what you're seeing, but you also know how to react to what you're seeing quickly and successfully. And they've done a tremendous job of that all season long, and it's why the results have been what they have been. I, I think you also mentioned something that was worth uh, you know, just emphasizing with, with what Matt Eberflus said early in the week about Justin Fields having proven to everyone in this building that he's capable of those big play fireworks. Well, now part of the next step is showing that you can consistently make the layups and make those, uh, those easy decisions and those easy plays and the simple checkdowns and the quick first read throws and do everything on time and on target. And so that's part of the growth process. There's a lot still ahead of Justin. There have been zero indicators to this point to uh, tell us that, that he's not capable of making those strides. And I think we've been consistent with that all along, but look, I mean, where we were going into October compared to where we are headed toward Christmas now is in, in two totally different lanes in terms of how we view this quarterback and our Justin Fields quarterback development meter is something that we, uh, you know, we'll, we'll track that progress because it's come a long way from where we were, you know, coming out of the commander's game or whatever it was the last, when, when, when it was, uh, when it was probably needling at its lowest point. When Matt Eberflus talked about Jalen Hurts and the challenge that the Eagle offense presents this week, I felt like he he summed it up pretty well. What did you hear in terms of what Flusi said about Jalen Hurts that stood out? Yeah, well, so, I, you know, th there <laughs> was just a very, very strong emphasis on how uh, Jalen's understanding of what he's seeing shows up on video, right? You, 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 you get a coverage, you understand what that coverage dictates for whatever play you're in, and then you make that decision accordingly and you make it quickly and you're able to, to do those things to spark your offense. Even if it is a, a six yard pass, if that's what the, the, the coverage and the, the defense is telling you to do, then you do it. And so the, the word concise came out of, out of, uh, Matty Berflus's mouth. And it was just the, the, the speed at which Jalen Hurts is able to process these things that his his understanding as he breaks the huddle for what he's looking for and then ultimately just making good decisions consistently that's what builds good quarterbacks and the great quarterbacks is just consistently making those good decisions. I, you know, there were games in Tom Brady's prime where he'd complete like three balls more than six yards beyond the line of scrimmage. And it was just because he knew how to do the surgery, right? And he knew how to get a, a, a 18 yard gain out of a three yard pass and, and all of those things that come with, with the aptitude of understanding the game. And now Jalen Hurts has taken a step in that direction. It's something the bears ultimately hope Justin will take as, as time goes on uh, and we'll see where they take it. But yeah, certainly Eberflus was, was, uh, um, it was interesting to, to listen to the, that quote on Wednesday afternoon and, and understanding that not, he was not only kind of praising Jalen Hurts, but also setting up a checklist for, for his own quarterback to, to, to listen to and, and hopefully put on his bulletin board as he continues his own growth. Yeah, concise was the exact word that he used, and, and this is the rest of what he had to say. Yeah, I, I think he's really clear and concise on his reads, you know, where he wants to go with the ball. Um, he doesn't he doesn't mess around with a lot of different, uh, you know, look here, look all, you know, over there. And I, I think he does a really good job of knowing where the coverage is telling him to put the ball. And I think he delivers it on time. Um, he's he's a very accurate passer. Uh, throws a good deep ball. Um, and I think he's really running that offense, you know, at, at a high rate. And, and the skill level that he's got around him, you know, with you know with getting their tight end back, you know, obviously. Obviously, that's, that's going to help them a lot. Um, and obviously, the two the two pass catchers catchers are really good, and, and the other guys are good too. You know, they they have a good stock of receivers, and the tight ends are, are good too. Okay, so you can hear the respect in his voice. You know that he has a lot of uh, you know. 
he has a lot of experience preparing for dual threat quarterbacks, but Jalen Hurts is having one of those kind of seasons in Philadelphia that is the best word to describe it is special. And that's that, that team is on a mission. And right now I think they are the odds on favorite in the NFC, you know, Dan back to, you know, the comparison with the bears. I think when you look at, you know, what now do you want to see from Justin Fields down the stretch? So he continues to go in that direction. I think, you know, the, the Micah Parsons question, if you will, (laughs) whether it's Hertz or the, or the Eagles offense, I think in Chicago, there's no doubt that, you know, Justin Fields is, the Bears offense, but they are going to have to grow together. And I think what they're going to have to continue to um, uh, do, try to even with limited weapons, this yeah. final four games, you know, you want to see him play within the framework of an offense. And I think that was also an interesting topic this week at Hallis Hall. Well, you're also trying to expand who you are as a passing offense. Again, we can't state it enough that the Bears have been been at the bottom of the league all year in terms of their productivity in the passing game. And you'd like to see that come along. You're going to get an opportunity against some really, really good defenses to test who you are as a quarterback, who you are as an offense, and what you can rely on. And I'm eager to see how they respond to that. It may not be pretty at all times, but at least it will be uh, telling, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with getting honest opinions and, <laughs> and an honest feedback that the game tells you. And that's what this this sport is so good at. It, it, it doesn't hide things, and, and you'll be able to know uh, who you are and, and and where you need to go, and, and hopefully that's there for them. I do think also that, that Matt Eberflus has has talked about the, the need for this team to uh, finish, right? Like that's been a buzzword around here for, for a month plus. And so now they have to figure out if they're in – games with moments and opportunities to go finish can they finish and, and Matt Eberflus talked about that this week at the start of the week as well here's some of what he had to say there yeah I would just say you know uh, you know obviously we've done a lot, of, a lot of good things over the last several weeks uh, to continue to improve the passing game you know the rhythm and timing of that I think that improved last week uh, we want to continue that and then really just uh, you know about finishing you know it's for our whole football team you know finishing games and finishing the half the right way and finishing the games the right way and that's really a whole a whole team effort you know to be able to finish those things out offense defense and kicking so um that'll be the biggest emphasis i think he's right you know he's when he closes out by saying you have to finish those things out i think that's just grasping the obvious anybody that watches the bears anybody that critiques the bears i I believe understands that that has been one one of the several elements that's been missing and one of the big reasons why this team has 10 losses in mid-December with four games to go. They, they don't know how to win. And I know that that does, that's not even a controversial statement or said with any sort of intent, but it just rolls off the tongue because teams, that's part of the maturation of, of any young quarterback, of any young championship team. You do whether it's cliche or not, and I guess that it is, you do have to learn how to win. And I think that's what Matt Eberflus was saying without maybe putting it in those terms, but that's what finishing means. It's really easy, David, for people to oversimplify this conversation and to take it to the polls and and, and really you know, be on extreme A and extreme B. When you and I both know there's a ton of middle ground here that, that tells you that you can make a statement and say that a team has to, to figure out uh, how to learn how to win without 
also saying that that prohibits them from being successful in the future if they don't meet those moments right now. The Bears obviously have had four straight losses in Justin Fields' starts where they've had opportunities late to win a game and they haven't done it. And so all we're asking is for the quarterback to clear that bar. To that end, Luke Getze spoke on Thursday afternoon, and I asked him specifically, remember, he spent a lot of time in Green Bay with a with a quarterback who won multiple MVP awards, right? And and, and Aaron Rodgers knew how to win games and, and knew how to instill that belief belief and that confidence and that flow and that rhythm in the players around him. And, and so I asked Getsy, without overstating it or understating it, you know, just what would be the value for this team at this stage to conquer one of these late game winning moments? And here's some of what Luke had to say. Yeah, I, I truly don't. And maybe I'm the, the outcast. I don't truly believe that one moment is going to change anything. I think that where where we are, where we said we were when we got together and we wanted to put a, a particular play style on film, we want to make sure we're playing the game the way we want to play it. We want our film, we want people to feel our film. Uh, we need to continue to grow in that area. And then when you continue to grow in your execution, then that stuff will happen. And then and when you start looking outside, it's like, oh, we need this or we need that moment or we need I think that's when you get lost in what really matters and that's playing together and that's getting a high level of execution and I think as our execution continues to get better then those things will, will happen where we won't even need maybe all those last minute uh, you know shenanigans that we keep getting we keep running into so I just think that I think that it's you know as you watch our film from last week our execution wasn't great um and, and, and like these certain moments of the game, and that's what hurt us. And it, it's, I don't think there's a particular two-minute drive or anything like that that we need, uh, but winning is contagious. And so when we, when we, I think to your point, when you start to win, I think then it starts to, then you start to get a better confidence about yourself. But I think what you guys have seen and what you feel from our offense is that the guys believe and that the guys feel like they're getting better and the confidence exudes from that. And I think that's what, you know, the product's looking better. What creates that winning level of execution that so that it becomes consistent? Well, it's, it's you know just what you said. Flu said it's taking it every day on the on the practice field and proving it every single day, and um, guys getting that relationship together. So you see, uh, you know. EQ make a great play down the field, right? How long, now him and Justin creating a relationship. You've seen Nikhil make a play down the field. You've seen Cole grow with, with Justin. So it's those relationships. Mooney, how much, all the growth he had. It's that relationships. It's the repetitions. And uh, when you put good players and they get that relationship, that's when the good things start happening. So there's a couple things there, David, that I think are noteworthy. Number one, you hear kind of a, a reemphasis of, of the importance of building habits, of, of building winning habits, of, of having relationships that create those habits. And, and that's something that this team is in the process of doing and they need to get there. The other thing that I thought was notable, because I, I worry about the, the direction this conversation can go because it has gone that way over the last few months, that no one is saying that there is going to be one magic moment as Luke emphasize there and the first time that they conquer a, a, a you know a two minute drill drive late in the game to win a game it's it's suddenly this magic potion that makes them winners for life no one is saying that and we've never said that or indicated that it's going to take a handful of those things to build the momentum and build kind of the belief and build the consistency and build the execution habits that are needed to become what i think everyone in the city wants the bears to become which is a consistently winning football team right this is what this is all about is being able to attain success and sustain it and this is all part of that process so i i always i always feel good listening to luke getsy because he doesn't sugarcoat anything it's not coach speak it's just kind of real talk and i think you heard some of that there well he knows the game 
he knows football and he's right winning is contagious and even though you could even say the majority of the players many of the players who are here now won't be here when they are actually good presuming they do actually get good uh, the most important one is here though right yes that's what i'm getting at is that when you have the quarterback that's what makes all of these experiences transferable. That's what makes one season connected to the next season, the quarterback. And whether you want to deny the reality or not, Justin Fields having success in those so-called clutch moments does matter and is relevant to his development as a clutch quarterback. And you, there are several examples of, of of quarterbacks who have overcome that uh, or slow start in such situations. Mark Potash wrote about it very well a couple weeks ago. And, and I think all those things make for interesting reading. But when you're looking at the zooming in at the bears it's just football coaches, football players, football people don't look at uh, the inability to, to close a job or to finish as something that's insignificant if it were insignificant, they wouldn't have such a point of emphasis that it, and, and so many people saying it does matter. And I think so. That's one element. The other thing is that I think it's also important when you hear Getsy, and he is so good when he's at the podium. I really agree with you. Um, he, he says we. He doesn't really say Justin all the time. Right. He said we. And I think what that also reminds us is that, okay, in fairness, it is collective. There For was sure. uh, Amir Smith, uh, Marset against the Vikings. There was, you know, uh, EQ St. Brown. Um, against the Packers, yeah. Against the Packers and against maybe the Guardians as well. In the way, or, I'm sorry, the, <laughs> the Commanders. Commanders. <laughs> uh, getting my new nicknames mixed up. But I think when you say we, it's a collective effort and the receivers – have let Justin Fields down. Other elements have maybe let the the team down, but it's all about the collective and it, the leader at the top of that is Justin Fields. And so him having success in those moments does matter. Well, I know we have other things to get to, so I'll try to keep this brief. But in my time covering the league, there's a couple examples of, of belief that became rocket fuel for a team. I go back to 2012 and the Vikings, and they got on this hot streak in December to win their last four games and get in the playoffs. By the way, we've talked about it many times before. Their surge late in the year actually knocked the Bears out of the playoffs and ultimately cost Lovey Smith his job that season. But it was on the back of Adrian Peterson, who was the MVP that year. And if you go look look up the numbers. I don't have the specific numbers, but I know it was more than 800 rushing yards in the month of December. And what did that do? When you have an MVP playing at that level, all of a sudden you hear guys around them say, man, you know, to Luke Getzey's point, creating winning execution and winning moments, it's guys being focused and concentrating and having just that extra effort. And you would hear guys in that locker room say, I knew if I could just hold my block for another three quarters of a second, that it might be enough to spring a 12 yard run into an 80 yard run and Peterson running for, you know, 800 plus yards in a calendar month in, in December was proof that when you, you get that one catalyst, all of a sudden it translates to the guys around you. The other guy that I, in 2018, the engine of that run for the bears was Khalil Mack, right? You sat there and watched the impact he had on the guys around him, particularly in that first month of the season as they were creating the belief. And I'll never forget the Bears win in Arizona that year, not because it was one of their, their more fun or more impressive wins of that year, but because it was a truly dirty, gutty, gritty win. And it was built on the back of Khalil Mack saying, guys, just ride me. I'm going to, I'm going to lead us to victory. The offense was terrible that day. They didn't play well in a lot of different phases. And at the end of the game, Khalil Mack strip sacks Sam Bradford and ultimately gets the Bears a win to the point where in that locker room, 
in Arizona, David, I remember hearing the names of Michael Jordan and LeBron James brought up by, by Khalil Mack's teammates because that was the, the, the winning is contagious belief that suddenly surged into the room because they had a guy who could meet those moments and do that. Um, the, 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 the third example, and you would know more about this than I did because I only covered him for one season, is Devin Hester, right? And, and the way that, that his success created this contagious feeling among the guys that were on those return teams to say, okay, whenever I'm on the field, if I can just give that, that, you know, 3% more of execution or concentration or whatever it is, Devin can take this thing the whole way. And that's where winning becomes contagious. They are anything is possible guys. And from yeah. Adrian Peterson to Khalil Mack to Devin Hester, you need an anything is possible guy leading the charge here and, and being able to create that kind of belief that person Person has to have that success as well, and it is contagious, and that's what Luke Getzey's talking about, and that's what the Bears have in Justin Fields. There's no question about that. If this season has has reached any conclusion with four games to go, and that's what makes the last four games all the more exciting to watch, is that Justin Fields is that guy for the Bears, and that's why everything that we're looking at, we're doing it with with uh, zooming in with with really a. a, a better lens because it's all so important moving forward no question another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let's get into our uh, numbers segment and our predictions. All right, let's um, bring in studs here, Adam Studzinski, for our prediction uh, portion. I don't know how this is going to go any different than what I expect, but maybe (laughs) the NFC's best team versus the NFC's worst team studs. What you got? All right, so um, I know that I tend to be a meatball in some of these segments, but I can't. Says the guy with the Bears hat and the Bears poster. Yeah, you can see in the the background background here. Yeah, Yeah. I, you know, I, yeah, I'm a little bit of a fan. And, uh, but I, you know, look, like realistically, I can't, I can't, I can't pick the Bears to win this game. They're just, they're not good enough. Like it would be great if they found a way to. And, but I just, I'm hoping for a close game. And that's, I think it's going to be closer than a lot of what I've heard this week. Everyone's just kind of expecting a blowout that I've talked to. And I'm just, I look at the way that they've been able to hang with every team they've played. As long as Justin Fields is playing, you know, the Jets game got away from him because Fields wasn't there. So I'm expecting a somewhat close game, you know, 30 to 25, that 25th point probably comes in the fourth quarter when the Eagles had it wrapped up maybe, but you know, I'm, I'm expecting a, you know, a tight competitive game because that's what they've been able to do in every game that they've played since Justin Fields has taken this step forward. You know, you look at the Miami game, the Dallas game, so on and so forth. So I, I, 
honestly, I'm just hoping it's close. <laughs> and I think it's going to be. So, yeah, I'm taking Eagles 30 to 25. Ooh, okay. I've got the same score for the Eagles, so I'm putting them in the, the 30 category uh, uh, in terms of points scored. And I've got the Bears only managing 13 points in this game. This Eagles defense is really, really good, and they don't have a lot of weaknesses. And they're solid up front, and they're really good on the back end. And it's just going to be a challenge that I don't know that this Bears offense is ready to take just yet. They can learn a lot. They can grow a lot. But I've got a 17-point Eagles win, 30-13. to 13. The bye week only help the Bears fans kind of recover and back away and maybe a mental break, and that's good. I don't think we're going to see a different football team. I think we're going to see mismatches at every uh, area that you would expect. Uh, I don't know how close it will be, but I think it will be Eagles 38, Bears 23. And that, um, I guess, the good news would be they're at least not going to get into the 40s. And it won't be as bad as the Mark Trestman-led Bears uh, getting bounced by the Chip Kelly-led Eagles back in that third, 2013. 2013, yeah, with oh a chance to win the division. You were there that night, yeah. That was very ugly, and that was as bad as it gets in Bears-Eagles. So this one won't be that bad, and that's the only good news. So let me transition off that, and I'll give you the numbers, because okay. that was the first of five consecutive losses that the Bears have had to the Eagles since 2011. Uh, as you mentioned, that the score that night was 54-11. to 11. That was a brutal loss. Uh, probably not as painful as the playoff loss they had in 2018 oh. or January 2019, 16-15 on the double doink. Ouch. Ouch. There's the, uh, another game in 2019, which I believe you were sitting right by my side for this one as well, where they go to Philadelphia. Uh, you remember everything was starting to circle the drain in the year that was supposed to be a Super Bowl run for the Bears, and they, they came off those home losses to the uh, – Saints and the Chargers that were devastating. And then they went to Philadelphia and they got nine total yards in the first half. Two first downs and nine total yards in the first half. And they lost that day 22 to 14. A little bit of trivia for you. The last time the Bears beat the Eagles was on a Monday night in November of 2011. Can you tell me the two players that Jay Cutler threw touchdown passes to that night? In 2011, Devin and Roman should do. Um, <laughs> and let me see. That would be what the other obscure receiver would be on the team. In tw- Matt Forte. I love the guesses. Earl Bennett and Matt Spath. <laughs> That's Dr. Earl Bennett to you. And Matt Spath, boy, good blocking tight end. And as a pass catching tight end, he was a heck of a blocker. They had a big night that night and and led them to a win, but they haven't won since against the Eagles, and so they're there. Two other quick numbers for you. 905, that's the number of rushing yards Justin Fields has. That puts 1,000 in sight this weekend with with what Justin's capable. It also puts the franchise record of 968, Bobby Douglas, 1972, within reach, maybe sometime in the first half or the third quarter. Uh, And the only two quarterbacks to rush for 1,000 yards in a season in the league are Lamar Jackson, who's done it twice and had a league record 1206 in 2019, and Michael Vick, in 2006 who had 1089 and so uh, Justin could join that club my last number for you is 49 that's the NFL leading sack total of the Philadelphia Eagles who also have 24 takeaways which is also an NFL best good luck Justin good luck Luke good luck Bears offense so the Eagles have more sacks than any defensive line in football and the Bears have the fewest number of sacks than any defense in football The Bears' last sack, David, by a defensive end, a guy who's paid to rush the passer, 
was in week six against the commanders on Thursday night football in the third quarter. Alquadine Muhammad took down Carson Wentz and it's been nine weeks since a defensive end wearing a Chicago bears Jersey has sacked an opposing quarterback. You could say we could exaggerate the impact of that sack and say Carson Wentz hasn't been the same since, <laughs> but I don't yeah. know if that's why but really theoretically that's a true statement. He has not been the same since that night. There you go. Okay. So also if, if, Justin Fields breaks Bobby Douglas's rushing record for a single season in the third quarter. Yes or no? Brad Biggs has him on the phone by the fourth quarter talking <laughs> to him about the good old days. I hope he already had, a, had him on the phone. He's got it pre-written and ready to rock. He's got his number. So yeah. I figured, okay, those are some good numbers. I, I think that the Eagles, I didn't realize how many truly painful moments they have been responsible for providing bears and bears fans in the last five to seven years or so. I mean, this has been a franchise that, you know, there are a lot of parallels between Chicago and Philly in terms of sports towns, in terms of how much, you know, fans in that city love the Eagles as much as fans in Chicago love the bears and the Eagles are in a bit of a role. And I, and I credit to them. They, Howie Roseman has been the connector, I think in a lot of the success throughout the coaching changes and such. And he, I think he's a guy that um, isn't afraid of the spotlight and certainly has done a nice job of, 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 uh, of running that team. No question. No question. And, and they've been consistent. And you go through their game notes and you see the number of uh, games they've won in the 21st century, the number of playoff appearances they've made, and the number of playoff games they've won. And, and, and just the, the consistency in that program is, is, is notable. And, and it's something that this organization certainly uh, will strive for and hopefully attain one day. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. That's a good segue into our next segment. All right, we don't have any fancy name for this segment, Dan, but I do want to look at the comparisons between the Bears and the Eagles in terms of one thing I do think is, is if we have alluded to it, I think it bears repeating, and if we haven't, it, it requires a close look. There's so much attention paid, and I have done this myself, Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields. And what you need is a dynamic dual-threat quarterback in today's NFL to succeed and progress and consider yourself a Super Bowl contender that the and that the Bears want to be. That is understood. And on Sunday, uh, I think Fox is doing the game, is going to be Fields and Hurts and a lot of attention. But I think it – tends to overlook the point or obscure it a little bit. And that's understandable because the, those are the spotlight guys. But the real, real value, and I think that's not a secret, but the real reason, the bigger reason for the Eagles having success is not sexy at all. It's because of the way that they have invested on the lines of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And it's not so much, you know, you always say, don't, if you want, when people say, well, talk about what's important to them, they say one thing, but you, you can really find out by how they spend their money and how they invest. And when you look at the Eagles and they have that defensive line before now, the league leading sack total, they have the offensive line, which protects Jalen Hurts, runs the football as well as any, you know, any team in the league really consistently. They 
put the money where their mouth is. They are fifth overall in spending for a defensive line, $44.5 million, according to SpotRack, and third in offensive line spending with $37.3 million. When you do that, and you're top five in positional spending on both sides of the ball in the trenches, you can talk about all the, in my opinion, you can talk about all the greatness that Jalen Hurts represents and all the weaponry that he has been surrounded with, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. And, yeah, they are to the point where in, in Smith and Hurts' case where they could command that kind of contract yet. But when you invest by looking at the ball – there's the ball right at the line of scrimmage. And then you start building from the ball on out the way that a lot of traditional football people do, the way that Howie Roseman has. That, to me, tells you why the Eagles are as dominant this season as they have been. You create sturdiness, and sturdiness creates comfort. And, and comfort, hopefully, as we've talked about before, creates confidence. And, and so that's something the Eagles have been successful at doing. It's worth noting that, that Bears assistant general manager Ian Cunningham spent the previous five years before this one in Philadelphia working with Howie Roseman, understanding how they were building that team and putting together a, a group that could sustain success. And so that's notable to have some of that insight within your building as you create your own plan here for the Bears. You start studying this game and you, you, you say, OK, we knew Philly had a, a pretty good line and you know that Lane Johnson is, is one of those guys that's a, a a star for them at right tackle. But then you look at the numbers and you say, Lane Johnson hasn't given up a sack in two years. <laughs> and he's only given up one quarterback hit since the start of the 2021 season. And you go, okay, well, now if I'm Jalen Hurts, my eyes never have to go in the direction of, of whoever Lane Johnson's blocking. And now what does that do for me? It allows me to have greater vision of, of the rest of the field. It allows me to feel inside that I'm, I'm protected and that I'm comfortable and that my back is had, right? And in this case, the front side. And, and, and again, it's, it's sturdiness. It's comfort. It's all those things that allow you now to, to take steps in the direction you want to go. And when Matt Eberflus was talking earlier this week about Braxton Jones, who has been, you know, look, he's in a fifth-round pick. He's a starter at left tackle, and the Bears have to be overall – generally pleased with the fact that he's played that position capably. But when he was talking about Braxton Jones needing to be sturdier with against the bull rush and how he's susceptible to bull rushes and he's not quite sturdy enough, it was a metaphor for everything going on with the Bears. To me, it represented like, okay, here's one guy, but this is one team. They aren't good against physical teams because that's what they want to be and can't be yet. And I think that's what I mean. Like the Eagles, the Eagles – they are tough and rugged and fit yeah. because they have invested in those lines. And to fast <laughs> forward to the offseason, whether it's Ian Cunningham's influence on Ryan Poles or Ryan Poles' influence on Ian Cunningham, whatever the case, how they attack this roster problem, free agency in the draft, will they start to build from the ball on out or will they be seduced into thinking, give me the toy Give me the wide receiver. Let's focus on that. And how how will they spend their money? And I think you follow the money. It's an old journalism adage, but you follow the money and it will tell you exactly what the Bears want to be next year. Well, and we'll learn a, a lot about how Ryan Poles sees two puzzles that he's got to put together at once, which is one is the free agency puzzle and one is the draft puzzle. And the, the purpose of free agency most of the time is to to supplement your roster and give you flexibility when the draft rolls around so that you can kind of kind of move in, in whatever direction that that weekend's festivities take you. And, and so you got to be flexible and fluid in that regard without needing to force the issue anywhere. And so they're going to have to figure out a way to buy that 
flexibility, if you will, in free agency to get to get themselves some guys that they believe can be difference making starters. The Eagles also they, they they understand where they are right now. They understand that they are on the, the runway to potentially going on a run to win the Super Bowl. And so then you can get a guy like Linval Joseph, a guy like Indomitian Sue, and you can play them as role players on your defensive line, guys who have been stars in this league. And all of a sudden they, they become part of a rotation up front that that wears other teams out and 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 just provides the teeth to your defense the same thing they do on offense and that's why I just it's hard for me to see the Eagles as complete as they are coming to Soldier Field on Sunday and laying an egg because they are so complete and and it would take about six or seven guys on both sides of the ball not playing to their level for them not to put together a performance that shows how how far apart these teams are we could be wrong that's why you play the games and maybe the bears have some answers and, and schematically and strategically they can they can master this but it's, it's going to be cool to watch uh what the best team in the nfl looks like uh, right right here in our uh city at the at the field where we cover games and that's going to be a, a a good experience on sunday afternoon all right let's wrap things up with our two-minute drill the two-minute drill two-minute drill Okay, Dan, the first order of business is to officially calibrate the Justin Fields meter. We need to have a ruling here, and I think we can agree that things have changed since the last time we calibrated it. We had to get it fixed because we weren't sure it went in this direction. But look at the direction it is going. That looks pretty good. Somewhere between hmm, very encouraged and mildly excited. I like where that's headed. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you got it to the D of encouraged and it's trending towards the E and excited, which means it's moving in the right direction. Uh, you know, we were over between worried and concerned a couple months ago, and now you've gone through this uh, the, the, this evolution and here you are. And and now, the, you know, one of the reasons I don't, I don't think we could take it all the way too excited is because we know what Justin's facing the next two weeks against the Eagles and the Bills and these defenses that are going to really test him. Now let's see how he responds. And if he responds favorably and puts together a couple of games that look like, oh, that's 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 truly a standout quarterback performance. Now, all of a sudden, that needle gets too excited. And for that needle to get too excited in, in December of 2022, that will be quite a landmark accomplishment. And contrary to our tweeters and texters who might think otherwise, it never has actually been at the panicked spot <laughs> on the meter. So we have never... Dan Weeder and David Haw have never had the panicked result this year. When things started to head in that direction, I think we weren't sure we could say that, but I think we can safely assume that now. We got to pretty concerned. We did. Now, we're not, now we're not pretty concerned and, anymore. And we heard about it as well. So we love your feedback. So continue to provide it. Okay, Dan, I have to ask you another question when yeah. it comes to Justin Fields. You mentioned this, and I shudder the thought, but and Tomlin Sue, <laughs> if he plays 12 snaps on Sunday, he might not play more than that because he's a situational player now. He's a guy that you really, when you have a quarterback mending a shoulder separation, a guy who runs a lot, who's in charge of making sure Ndamukong Sue doesn't do anything to the echo of the whistle or, or afterward, because this is a guy that has been known to do that. All five offensive linemen and then a fullback <laughs> and then a couple tight ends and a receiver. You have to make sure you protect your quarterback, both, uh, you know, in the scheme of the game and then after the whistle, because yes, you don't want that to become a, a storyline, one that we've seen uh, several times before. Speaking of offensive linemen, what's the latest in Alex Leatherwood? What do you expect on Sunday from the right tackle? The Bears coaches feel very confident that they can manage a rotation here uh, smoothly. And so you're 
they're going to have him rotating in with Riley Reef, and they're going to play that game. Luke Getze was pretty forward on Thursday in saying you can't prioritize the development of one guy uh, at the expense of the entire operation. So for right now, they feel most comfortable playing him in a rotational role. How about Chase Claypool? He's had a knee situation that I think from one standpoint, it's legit that he was injured. There was the unfounded speculation that the injury might have been related to the fumble or otherwise. But if he's still dealing with a knee situation that ends up on the injury report this long later, this much later, it's legit. What do you expect from him on Sunday? Walking around the locker room in a bulky knee brace and uh, he was unable to practice on Wednesday and is trying to get himself back into action as soon as possible. It's uh, it's hard to know what to expect when you're when you're in that situation dealing with that. Obviously, he's one of those players. We can talk all we want about there's all these guys in the locker room that aren't going to be here next year. Chase Claypool is going to be here and he's going to have to play a big role for you because you just gave away a, a pretty big second round pick to, to acquire him. And so the quicker that he can get through this injury and then develop as Luke Getzey talked about in that first segment, that the relationship and the timing and the rapport and the, the trust with Justin Fields, the better the bears are going to be. So did I see something about the NFL is talking about and maybe at the most recent owners meetings in Texas about reviewing the roughing the passer penalty which is not i think it's misnamed now it's not roughing the passer is it's getting in the passer's uh headspace or air <laughs> airspace or just invading his space because these penalties border on ridiculous yeah i think it was it was a jalen phillips on sunday night who had the most recent yeah. ridiculous call against him and and so now look i'm all for the implementation of having a sky judge that can say hey fellas that wasn't as bad uh, as it looked to you guys in live action let's pick up that flag and let's 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 let football be football still because it's it's really ruining the game and and compromising outcomes of games when a guy can make a terrific defensive play and then be penalized 15 yards in a first down they're also talking about uh, increasing ejections for players who commit roughing the passer penalties. I don't know why the league would go down this road. You're only going to create more controversy if you have a, a borderline penalty that then results not only in 15 yards and a first down, but the guy getting thrown out of the game. So let's hope cooler heads prevail on that matter and they get to a, a middle ground in the spring where, where we're talking about this in a, a light that's not uh, so, so distasteful. I don't know. Distasteful is not the right word, but just aggravating with the way the game is officiated right now. Coldest game of the year on Sunday, Temperatures will be high of a 21 or 22, I think, on the lakefront. Trenton Gill never dealt with this before in Chicago. Any concerns? No. Uh, I'm more concerned about the kicker who's, who's missed four kicks in the last four games. I don't have a high level of concern for Cairo. Uh, Richard Hightower pointed out today that he's kicking 90% from field goal range. Uh, his field goals are, are, are 90% this year. He's one of nine kickers in the league, so that's good. But he's missed four extra points, which is a strange thing. And, and Richard Hightower said that with a veteran like Cairo, you kind of allow him to do his own troubleshooting and you don't try to introduce too much more. So let's see where the specialists take things in the in the cold on, on Sunday afternoon. Now I asked Big Z about this on the Mullion Haw show. He had no answers for me, so I hope you can provide one. What in the heck happened that a small fire forced the Bears outside the Walter Payton Center this week? Was it contained and who was responsible? Uh, Larry Mayer was responsible. I'm kidding. Uh, but uh, apparently, yeah, there was a little bit of a fire inside the Peyton Center on Wednesday afternoon to force the Bears to go outside for the last segment of their practice. Uh, we were heading into the locker room after practice on Wednesday afternoon and saw a half dozen emergency vehicles with the sirens going off over there and thought, uh oh, what's going on over there? It turned out to be just, a, uh, you know, not a fire drill, but an actual fire drill put into use as the Bears had to scramble outside and, and get out of there. But everything's fine. They were able to practice outdoors 
stores today, and uh, I, I believe everything's all good inside the Patriots. Well, the offensive situation is an emergent one, but I'm glad that there nobody was hurt uh, in in that uh, little fire. So, last thing, did I would recommend if you haven't read it already, I'm sure you probably have. Dan Pompey in the Athletic sat down with Roquan Smith, the Ravens linebacker, talked about a lot of things, the genesis of his problems with the Bears, and how he went from being a guy considered by some people Dan talked to the most popular player at Hallis Hall to being an ex-Bear and now a Ravens linebacker that they feel like makes everybody better, the force multiplier, and some very interesting things in that story about the way the Ravens and other teams value a position not considered a premium position by some teams like the Bears and just why there was that disparity. What did you think of that uh, story overall, Dan? We'll know by March how the Ravens value Roquan Smith. And that's going to be the telling number because Roquan Smith has playmaking ability and intangibles and things that are incredibly uh, valuable to an organization. The question becomes how valuable. The Bears didn't want to meet in the middle. Roquan Smith didn't want to meet in the middle. There was a, a, a chasm between the two sides. They never got that worked out. Now it's up to someone else in the league, whether it's the Ravens or another team when Roquan's contract expires, to tell us what his market value is in the 2023 version of the NFL. And that will tell us a lot because Roquan can't uh, hold out without a contract next year. His contract with the, with the Ravens is going to expire in March. And, and then th then it's go time. It's go time to see what, what each side is willing to, to compromise. That's going to be interesting. I, I, you know, I'm happy that Roquan's going to be able to be part of a team that is going to play uh, deep into the season with meaningful games and potentially have some 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 playoff potential. Now it's up to, to him to, to capitalize on those moments and, and earn the money that he wants and believes he deserves. I like Roquan Smith. I respect everything you just said. I don't think he's going to have to wait until March. I think he's going to find out before the end of the season what the Ravens think of him. They can still extend his contract, negotiate a new one while he's you know under, under this final year of his deal. And I think that Eric DaCosta is a smart guy. I love the way they explained why it matters more to them. And maybe it's just rhetoric. But Dan Pompey doesn't exaggerate. And when he quoted John Harbaugh talking about how Preventing big plays from happening is just as valuable as creating takeaways. That's a great football discussion and argument that one day in the offseason we should have because what happens is the, the value of takeaways, the, the flucy style and the interpretation yeah. change the entire way they viewed Roquan Smith and football players. John Harbaugh and the Raven, or Raven organization isn't – they're successful, more successful than the Bears the last 15 years. So I don't take that lightly, and I don't think it was lip service. So I think it's something to think about when you prevent things from happening, like Roquan Smith, instinctive football player does, that matters too, and that shouldn't be ignored. And I, then I go back to you're a Bears franchise rebuilding everything, and you just let a 25-year-old Pro Bowl player walk out the door for a second-round draft pick. Maybe that'll be a good decision. I don't know yet. Interesting discussion. That's related to youth soccer, but I have to tell my son all the time that preventing a goal is as good as scoring one, right? And so I think that's what you're talking about there is uh, an interception and a fumble. Uh, you know, if you can stop another team from scoring a touchdown with something you do, it's it's just as valuable as scoring one yourself. Man, so uh, you're, you're just got World versatile. Cup on the brain, don't you? You just versatile. have World Cup on no, the brain. Everywhere. I actually haven't watched any World Cup in the last full soccer game I watched, I think, was the one that George McCaskey officiated in the fall. There's a tie-in. All right, that's great. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast and watching on the Odyssey's YouTube page. We will be back 
Sunday night, reacting to Bears-Eagles, no matter what, that is a promise, not a threat. And we will have our instant reaction from Soldier Field. For Dan Weederer, I am David Haw. Take the North Podcast on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Download, listen, subscribe. We will talk to you Sunday. Great talk. See you out there.